may want to wait till after the message <laughs> on that. But as many as you know, I had open heart surgery back in June, had a quadruple bypass, and um, I've been recovering from that and finished my cardiac rehab. Things are going good from a heart standpoint. I feel good, get my stamina back. I'm easing back into my work schedule about half time at this point. And uh, so that's going really well. And, and people, I feel great. People tell me I look great. So it's, uh, it, it, that's been good. Uh, one of the problems that I faced with this was when they did the surgery, uh, they uh, had to use a breathing tube to keep me alive. So uh, that process damaged my vocal cords. And I came out of that, and for about eight weeks, I couldn't talk at all. And that was very difficult. And then I got to where I could talk, but I couldn't whisper, yell, sing, or preach. And the singing was no problem. And uh, I kind of missed yelling. But um, I got better. And uh, so today I'm kind of back in. I'm going to try the preaching thing and appreciate your prayers. You all have been praying for me and encouraging me and sending me emails and stuff. And and I just appreciate that so much. I love you guys. And uh, thank you for the outpouring of love that you've given to me. But uh, we're going to give it a shot today, and actually Ryland's going to kind of tag team it with me. I don't have enough voice to be able to do this all the way through five times. And so I thought, well, I'll just give everybody a chance to see me, and uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit, of, uh, little bit of the sermon each time. But we're going to talk about life, money, and hope today. And we've planned this early, early on in the year. We plan to do this uh, series now, and even the way we're doing it. So... Um, I just love this season of the year. I, I love watching the harvest of the crops. I love uh, the apples and the apple cider and the changing color of the leaves. And I, I love the crisp fall air, even though we haven't had a lot of that yet. But uh, I love the month of November. Uh, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the year. I like Thanksgiving even more than I like Christmas or Easter. Uh, I just love the intentionality of just stopping and thanking God for all that he's done for us. Uh, our celebration service is one of my favorite services out of the whole year. Or It's coming up on November 20th, that Sunday night. Uh, I love our celebration offering. It's my favorite offering of the whole year. I mean, I tithe all the time and love to give over and above. But there's just something about that celebration offering and just an opportunity to thank God and just bless the socks off of people who are serving Jesus. And it's just a, a, a great opportunity to express generosity for what God has done. And so moving into this Thanksgiving season and recognizing that Christmas and New Year's are, are, are uh, in the hopper, I, I wanted to bring you a message that will bring hope in the area of uh, your finances. Because there's just a lot of financial uncertainty and insecurity out there. And so we wanted with this series to, to focus on life, money, hope. And Ryan and I, we're going to tag team the message today, and then he's going to do the next two. And then I'm going to come back and finish it up, and hopefully I'll be able to do the, the whole one uh, at the end. But Ryland's going to preach the next two weeks, and I just want you to know that he's not just filling in for me. That Ryland is well equipped to preach and teach on this subject. In fact, his wisdom, his discernment, his discipline in the area of finances uh, far exceeds mine. Uh, he has a deep passion for uh, financial management and financial freedom and debt-free living, and he's going to do a great job uh, on these sermons. Uh, me, I learned these lessons the hard way. Uh, I, I spent my childhood and my early married years in serious poverty and financial mismanagement, 
because I didn't grow up in a home where uh, God's financial principles were followed. Nobody taught me this stuff in high school. Nobody taught me this in college. Nobody taught me this in seminary. Uh, it took me decades to discover God's principles uh, regarding money. And so I've been behind the curve on this most of my life, really until we started Rockbrook. And then uh, a, we invited a guy named Bruce Ammons. How many of you remember Bruce Ammons? Anybody go through his Conquering Debt, God's Way stuff? I mean, Bruce Ammons showed up and uh, changed uh, my life. And then uh, not long after that, Dave Ramsey really started to catch some steam with his Financial Peace University material. And so as a guy in his late 40s, uh, I began to discover God's strategy for uh, financial freedom. And it changed, it changed my life. And I started teaching those principles to my kids. So instead of them spending their teens and their 20s and their 30s financially strapped and enslaved to debt, they've been able to enjoy the benefits of handling their money God's way. And so this is going to be a series about hope. This is going to be about encouragement. If there's ever been a life-giving series that is for you, it, it, it's this one. I, I want to start out by looking at 1 Timothy 6. It says, people who want to get rich. And I want to rephrase that just a little bit. To, to people who think differently about money than God thinks about money. People who have a, a different perspective about money than God does. And maybe that's you. For a long time, it was me. Those people fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Temptation, a trap, foolish, harmful desires, ruin and destruction. Now, as a pastor, I don't want any of that in your life. I don't want any of that in my life. That is certainly not the financial legacy that I want to pass on to my kids and my grandkids. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. The love of money, having a wrong perspective on money, thinking about money differently than God thinks about money. That's the root of all kinds of evil. Money's not the root of evil. A bad perspective about money is the root of evil. Because money's just a tool. Money can be used for good, money can be used for bad. The problem is not the money, the problem is not the amount of money. The problem is the perspective that you have about money. Some people, eager for money, they, they've got their lives focused on money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You know, as a pastor, that's what motivates me. People can actually wander away from the faith. People can turn their back on God because they get the wrong perspective on money. People can pierce themselves with, with, with grief because of how they handle their money. And maybe you've come to church today uh, pierced with grief about how you've handled your finances. Maybe you've come today with just real regrets about how you've handled your money. I mean, I know I've got them. But this is going to be an encouraging series. This is going to be a freedom series. It's a way out series. Jesus himself said, for where your treasure is, you know, what, whatever your thoughts about money, how you prioritize your stuff, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He's saying, if you love me, then, then put your focus in that direction. Put your money where your faith is. And if you do that, your heart will follow. 
And people can look at this verse and think it's a rebuke, but it's not a rebuke. It's a great promise. Because many of us, we really want to have a a greater love for God. We want to have a greater faith. We want to have a deeper connection with God. We just don't know how to get there. And Jesus offers us a way to do that. He says, just make God your treasure. Make God your treasure. Turn your focus off of money and put it on God. Put your money where your faith is and your heart will follow. There's a way out. There's hope. So if you've come today and and you've got some grief and regrets, Jesus wants to heal you. He wants to help you. And if you want to avoid grief and regrets, Jesus wants to protect you. And one of the things I learned the hard way is that this money thing is a complex issue. In fact, there are five financial areas that you need to examine and you need to learn to control in your life. You've got to get the right perspective on these five numbers. Ryland's going to come and tell us what they are. So hey, buddy. If you're, if you're taking notes, write this down. Uh, the first number, the financial number that we need to examine, get a grasp on, get perspective on is earning. So the first thing that you've got to do when it comes to money is examine and work on your income because there's nothing to manage if nothing is coming in. We have to learn how to earn. I remember my first paycheck. Anyone, come on, show me your hand if you remember your first paycheck. I got a job at 15. My first paycheck was $145. I remember that blowing me away. I, I, does anyone remember what they spent their first paycheck on? Anybody remember? I tithed off my and spent all the rest of it on drums, and that was the pattern for quite a while. <laughs> the Bible encourages us to work. Work is a good thing, not a bad thing. God created us to work. Uh, We've been talking about heaven recently, and we've talked about what heaven will be like, um, but we want to know what are we going to do in heaven. Well, one of the things we're going to do in heaven is work. Like, we're going to have a role to play. We're going to have a job to do. Now, the reason that that doesn't seem very attractive to us is because we work in a sin environment with depraved people, and we don't enjoy work that way, and our bodies hinder us from working like we would like to work. But imagine going to work every day in a perfect, sin-free environment with a glorified body. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't that be fun? Uh, So earning is the first number, but the next number is one that we've got to get a handle on. And number two, that's spending. And 90% of Americans have no idea really where their money's going, and they just spend it. They don't really have a handle on what they're spending it on. And so we have 90% of Americans have no budget. They have no idea where it's going. They spend it till it's gone, and then they wonder how to make ends meet. Proverbs 21.5 says, Good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. And it's amazing what happens when you put together a plan, when you put together a budget. Now, a budget is kind of a scary word, kind of a dirty word, because we think it means less. Uh, It's like the word diet. We hear the word diet, and we think it means like scorched earth, kale, like just no fun, and, and the reality is that every one of us in here is on a diet because a diet is simply what you eat. It's what you put in. So you either have a healthy diet or an unhealthy diet. 
And a budget doesn't mean that you don't have any fun, you don't have anything nice. It means that you have a plan for how those things fit in. And it's amazing what happens when you have a budget because a budget gives you a plan, a plan gives you hope, and hope gives you a future. So a budget can give you a future. If we want things to look differently than a year from now, we got to have some sort of plan. The third area about the numbers is saving. And saving is a biblical principle, not just a business principle. It says, in the house of the wise person are stores of choice food and oil. The wise person's going to save, going to store up. But the fool spends all that he has. Now, some studies have shown that uh, the average American spends 136% of their income. Let that number just sink in for a second. If you spend 136% of your income, what's going to happen? Collapse. I mean, financial collapse and ruin. And you can't sustain that lifestyle over time. You will pierce yourself with grief. You've got to turn that number around. That number needs to be below 100% of your income. And then the next number you want to get to is investing. And investing is where instead of just working for money, you have your money start working for you. And this is especially true for uh, the young people in our church family. Time is on your side when it comes to investing. And if you start young enough, you can reap a great return. But the older you start, you still got to start, but the more difficult it is. But if you start young, time works in your favor. Check this out. The average car payment, the average car payment in the United States of America is $484. If instead of buying that car, you put $484 a month into an investment account starting at age 25, at age 65, that $484 a month becomes $1 million. So that car could be costing you $1 million. The next area of numbers is giving. Now, even secular financial planners and advisors talk about the importance of giving and generosity. Even secular money people know that what goes around comes around. The universe is wired up so that those who give get. And understanding and working on these numbers in your life is important. And if you work on these numbers, you'll find some hope and you'll find some freedom. One reason we're doing this series is that too many people have just never even learned this, never even taught the numbers. But there is something that goes beyond the numbers. As believers, we know that there's more to what's going on than just the natural. We know that there are things happening that are supernatural. There's a God ruling and reigning over all this who's established principles that don't make sense to mankind. So we got to have a right perspective on just the numbers. But the reality is, you've got to go a little bit beyond that. You've got to understand more than just the numbers. You've got to understand the principles behind those. We must look beyond the numbers. Pastor's going to come back and talk about that. The, the verse that really stirs me on this is found in Haggai, a little book in the Old Testament. And it, it says, now this is what the Lord Almighty says. And I want you to notice that. This isn't what Haggai says. This isn't what Kelly Walter says. This isn't what Bruce Ammon says. This isn't what Dave Ramsey says. This isn't what Ryland says. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. 
You have planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. And does that describe your life? You plant much, but you reap little. You eat, but you're never full. You drink, but you're never satisfied. You put on clothes, but but you're still uh, unfulfilled. You work hard to earn money, but then you put it in, in a purse or pocket with holes in it, and it just disappears. What's wrong with this system? Could it be that there is a better way? Could there be godly principles that are higher than just the numbers? Could there be something that we're missing? And the answer is absolutely yes. God offers us more than just the numbers. The Bible teaches that you can't think about money, life, and hope on just a natural level. 1 Corinthians 1 says, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? God looks at the way the world looks at money and God says, no, 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 no. My my ways are are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Uh, My ways are are greater. My ways are higher. And so what are the biblical principles that will help you to step up to a higher level, to step up uh, to a higher level regarding your life, regarding your money, regarding your hope? The world says the first principle of numbers is earning. You ought to earn as much as you can, even if it means moving away from the family you love, even if it means working long hours that consume your life, even if it means you don't have time for church and the things of Christ. You need to earn as much as you can earn. The Bible says that beyond the numbers, write this down, calling versus compensation. Calling versus compensation. How much money you make is not going to fulfill you. What's going to fulfill you is finding out what God made you to do and pursuing that even if it means you make less money. There's nothing like doing what God called you to do. The higher principle is that we're not just going to chase how much we can make. Instead, we're going to pursue how much we can matter. That's what Rockbrook is all about. That's why this church was started. That's what our growth track is all about. That's what our dream team is about. We want you to discover God's purpose for your life and make a difference for God. Because that's where you're going to find your fulfillment. Because we don't just need money to live on. We need a purpose to live out. A purpose to live for. Pursuing your calling will fulfill you far more than any compensation. Paul said, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Too many people climb the ladder of success and discover it's leaning against the wrong wall. They get to the top and there's some place they never intended to go. And so I make no apology for inviting you, encouraging you to take our growth track, get plugged into a dream team and serve in this church. I'm unapologetic about that because it helps you discover what God made you to do, what God has called you to do. And the moment you step into heaven, you're not going to wish you would have done less. You're going to wish you would have done more. The numbers say to watch my spending. 
But beyond the numbers is contentment versus consumerism. Contentment versus consumerism. If we were to sit down and start working out on a budget, the goal would be to increase the margin between what you earn and what you spend because financial power is found in that margin. Now, there's a higher principle here that's even more important. And this one principle alone could change your life. And that's contentment. Because we live in a society that is geared for more. All I want is all I can get, and I want it now. And I'm going to use a credit card if I need to in order to get it. And that kind of thinking gets us in trouble at every level of our society, whether it's the elites in Washington who saddled us with $20 trillion worth of debt, or the folks in your neighborhood who are spending 136% of what they earn. Why do we think that way? Because we've lost the value of contentment. Contentment is is, uh, uh, boring. Contentment is old-fashioned. No, contentment is where you find peace. Not in consumerism. Jesus said, don't always be wishing for what you don't have. For real life and real living are not related to how rich we are. Paul said about contentment, he says, I know what it is to be in need. And all of us know that too. He says, I know what it is to have plenty. And we all know that too. I have learned the secret of being content. Notice that it is a secret and it has to be learned. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's the secret? Here it is. The secret is you have to realize that you have already been blessed. That you have already been blessed. You just recognize, God, if you didn't do one more thing for me, you've already blessed me beyond what I deserve. I don't need one more thing from God than what I've already got. Because contentment is not the fulfillment of everything you want. It's the realization, the satisfaction in what you already have. You realize if God didn't do another thing for me, he's done enough. And I thank him for what he's already done. Now we're entering into a season where society is going to try to get you to spend more than you should. To spend more than you make. And I just want to urge you early on to just steal yourself, to prepare yourself as we move into this holiday season. You don't have to outdo last Christmas. You don't have to have more. Don't go into the season looking for more. Go into the season thankful for what you already got. And that will unleash the power of contentment in your life. Third number is saving. And we need to save because that rainy day is coming. And it's a biblical principle to save. But, but there is one danger that comes with saving. And the danger is, is that you begin to look to your saving as your source of security. That, that, that's a real danger. You can fall into the trap of thinking that if I just have a big enough stash of cash, then when something happens, I can take care of myself. See the danger? I can take care of myself. But beyond the numbers related to saving is, I must be God-dependent versus independent. I stay God-dependent, not just independent. So don't build a savings account 
Build one, but don't build it with the purpose of insulating you from every eventual possibility, because that's what we want to do. We want to become financially uh, secure, but we ought to save with the goal that still we find our security in God and God alone. Proverbs 18.11 says this beautifully. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city. They imagine it a wall too high to scale. So if I save, I imagine this fortified wall around me. The problem is that it's only imaginary. That's why we need to still live a life of trust. The beyond the numbers principle is that I will not trust in riches alone, but I will continue to trust in him who richly provides. I love this proverb as well. It says, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. That's what Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. If you focus only on the numbers, the numbers will work, but the higher principle beyond the numbers take it to a whole nother level. The numbers talk about investing. Beyond the numbers says stewardship. The principle is stewardship versus ownership. And a steward manages resources they have been given according to the priorities of the real owner. One of the greatest financial principles I have ever learned in my life is that God owns everything. And I am simply his manager of what he's given me to manage. And if you can figure out a way to take everything in your life, your breath, your food, your talent, your energy, your time, your thoughts, your words, your deeds, your house, your job, your money, everything, and leverage it for eternity and say, God, all that I have is a temporary resource to be managed and leveraged for an eternal purpose. Not just my tithe, not only what I give away, but even the part I keep. It's just, it's living a surrendered life. It's saying, God, I want all areas of my life to be godly. And God wants me to leverage it all for his glory uh, so we can make the biggest difference for eternity. Jesus gave us this principle. Let's look at a couple passages here. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And as short as this life is, you want to make this part of your life count for where you will spend the vast majority of your life. Let's look at this next passage. And everyone who's given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. And when we realize, when we grasp the tremendous investment opportunity that God offers for us through giving, through serving, through participating in His cause, through fulfilling the great commandment, the great commission, through fulfilling our calling as a believer, our responsibility as a Christian, we'll want to be all in. We'll want to be all in. Now the fifth principle of the numbers is giving. But there is a principle that goes deeper beyond the numbers. It's generosity versus misery. The opposite of being generous is being a miser. And the most miserable people are the most miserly. Uh, the happiest people are the most generous. Jesus said, uh, it is more blessed, and the Greek word there is the word to be happy, the happiest people. 
It is more happy to give than to receive. Because the value of my life isn't determined by what I achieve. It's not determined by what I accumulate. The value of my life is determined by what I give away. Now, a lot of the Bible is written for you, and some of the Bible is written for me. Uh, There are verses that are directed to pastors. They're found in the pastoral epistles. And one of those verses is in 1 Timothy 6, 18. It says, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Now, honestly, I don't need to command you to do good deeds and to be generous and share. Honestly, you're the most generous people uh, that I know. You're the most willing to share. In fact, many of you long to be even more generous. It's just the way you're handling your finances has you strapped and you can't be. It's not a matter of your heart. It's the matter of the art of the budget. And so you have a desire to do more. And God wants to give you the power, gives you the way to do that. And and you may be thinking, well, Kelly, I know why you're telling me to do that because the world would just be a better place if everybody were more generous. But that's not why the Bible tells you to do that. That's not why the Bible tells you to be generous. Look at it. It goes on. It says, in this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves. You'll lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. The reason why you want to move beyond the numbers is because of life, money, hope. Yeah, you work the numbers, but if you go beyond the numbers, if you take hold of the higher principles that God calls you to live out, you'll answer your calling. You'll find contentment. You'll depend on God. You'll be a good steward. And you'll be generous. And Jesus Christ tells us that if you do that, He'll reward you for it. A hundred times, a thousand times over, you will establish a firm foundation for your life, not just in the life here, but throughout eternity. That's why I long for us to move beyond the numbers, because God's way works. It works. Let's pray together. Maybe you've come here today and and, and just some financial fears and insecurity and uncertainty. Maybe you've come just just pierced with grief and regrets over how you've handled your finances. I want you to know that God offers you healing and help today. That God's desire is to just pour hope into your life, to encourage you, to build you up, to unleash the power of His biblical principles in your life and in in your your stewardship of what He has granted to you. And I'd encourage you today to just make the decision, God, I'm going to repent, I'm going to turn around, I'm going to start doing things different. And maybe you need to get plugged into the next financial peace class, or maybe you need to meet with a qualified Christian counselor, or maybe you need to just take a small group and study financial principles. But I'd encourage you to make the decision to move to that higher calling that God has for you in regards to your life, your money, and your hope. God, we thank you for the wisdom of your word, for the power that you want to unleash in our life, for the promises that you give us for this life and the next. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.